Well, last week I did say Pastor Ty was concluding our devoted series, uh, but I changed my mind. I'm going to conclude it today, all right? I'm going to finish it up today. It will end today because I already got direction for our next series that's going to take us up uh, into Easter. So if you have your Bible or you want to follow on the app or you have your phone, iPad, or whatever it is, you can follow. There's paper notes and there's notes on our app. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 1. I'm going to be in 1 Samuel a lot today in, in quite a few different chapters of 1 Samuel. Uh, just a quick, uh, quick recap, if you hadn't been with us. Our devoted series. It has been a series on on community, on on Christian community. Week one, it says. Uh, week one uh, was I, I taught on the purpose of community. Week two, I talked about the function of fellowship. Both of these just encouraging uh, about about what fellowship is, what it means, getting connected deeper in the church through life groups. Excuse me. Then last week, Pastor Todd preached on a whole new level of living. See, the first two weeks I showed you the importance of fellowship and community, as I mentioned, through life groups and how important gathering together uh, 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 really is with us as believers. So I want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group, go to our app, go to our website. You can go in the lobby and you look on some of those shelves in there. There's different flyers where you can get connected. We've been going through marriage teachings from the EXO Marriage Conference on Wednesdays. We have marriage life groups. If you're married or if you're a man or a woman, I mean, the youth go through. We have a young adult college age life group. Every, there's something for everybody to get connected. And last week, Pastor Todd showed us that when we're devoted to God, and filled with the Spirit. Remember, the word filled means to be controlled by the Spirit. It brings us to a new level of living. Now, this new level of living and us being in community is not only to enhance our lives. Okay, James believes that. Let me say that again. Our new level of living and us in community is not just to enhance our lives. Let's, let's recap in the book of Acts. Remember, once the disciples, they gathered together, the Bible tells us in Acts 2.1, then they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2.4, and then they devoted themselves to the Lord, his teaching, and to fellowship. We saw that in Acts uh, 2.42. That that's been our main text for the, uh, the series. Then they begin to live out their divine destiny by being witnesses and preaching the gospel. Let me make this statement. We gather so we can be sent. Let me say that again. We gather every week so we can be sent out. It shouldn't just stop here in the four walls of this building right here. We have fellowship, we read the word, we learn the word, we study, we pray, we worship, we fellowship, we have food together so we can go out and can continue to be witnesses as Jesus has called us and commanded us to do. So as I conclude this series today, as I mentioned, we're actually transitioning into the new series I'll be kicking off next week, which is going to lead us up to our Easter service. So if you're in 1 Samuel 10, 1, just to set it up, Israel had been demanding a king. Uh, from the Lord through the prophets. And let's pick it up in 1 Samuel 10.1. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil <clears throat> and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Look at verse 6. Drop down to verse 6. At, the at that time, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon you, or will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. This is still Samuel speaking to Saul. And this is King Saul of the Old Testament, by the way. You'll be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart and all of Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servants arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he 
too begin to prophesy. When those who had who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, Can anyone become a prophet, no matter who his father is? So that is the origin of the saying, Is even Saul a prophet? Father, we thank you for your word and this time together. Help me as I preach your word. Help us all, Lord, to receive it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a good picture, church of what God does when he saves us. Remember the Apostle Paul says, everything in the Old Testament is a type, a shadow, a picture, an example of us in, in the New Testament church. When, whenever we get saved, he turns us into a totally different person, right? Like in the January series, Transformed. That talked about how God radically transforms us in different ways. Then he gives us a new heart, right? We, even even the, the prophet said that we'd have a, a heart of stone. I believe it's in Ezekiel says that he would give us a, a, a soft heart instead of a heart of stone, right? In this context, it, it primarily refers to Saul's heart being changed. It, it actually means it's a different attitude or outlook in life, which is true about when we get saved too, right? Typically, we would have a worldly uh, a viewpoint of life, right? Then we get a biblical worldview. We start seeing things and have a different attitude and a different heart. Then he anoints us. He fills us with his spirit in a powerful way. He does this so we can know him in an intimate way. This is the first step in our vision here at Family Life and our journey is for you to know God, to know him in an intimate way. After seeing and hearing Saul prophesy, the people ask, can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? In other words, what they were saying is, can God use anyone? I want to ask you this morning, can God use anyone? Yes. Oh, good. Y'all passed the test like the first service too. 100% across the board. Yes, the answer is yes. It doesn't matter who your father is, like you said here, who your mother is, what your background is, what educational level you have, your economic status, you could be used by God. Because you know what? If that wasn't the case, I would have been disqualified by all of these. Every single one of them. I would have got a zero on all of these qualifications, right? So praise God, the Lord can use you, you out there, even where you at in LPCC. Listen, I just feel strongly the devil has been lying to people long enough about this. For a long time, because of your past, because of the family you come from, maybe because of people spoke over you, you think, well, no, God can't use me. God will not be able to this, that, and the other. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And I hope today when you leave here that that lie will be broken off your life. Because guess what? The third part of it, and I'm deliberately jumping over the second part, is that God has a purpose for you. We want to help you find your purpose. If you say, Brandon, I don't know what my purpose in life is, what God's called me to do. Listen, I know not everybody's going to go into full-time ministry. you got a purpose. God's called you to do something right there in your work, right there in your school, right there if you're a stay-at-home mom, right? Whatever you're doing, God has a purpose and a plan, and whatever you're doing, there's a calling on your life, and he wants you to find that purpose. That's why we have next steps. We want to help you to find your purpose, so I want to encourage you to jump into next steps after this service and, and we'll help you with that help you start the process it's just the beginning but we want to help you so you can eventually make a difference that will last for all eternity amen like i said we'll talk about the second part of this journey in a bit let's go back to saul see just like saul god has and will prepare us and equip us equip us for what he's called us to do. Peter says it this way in 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Amen? Yes, that's a godly, holy life and righteousness and purity like we've been talking about, but it's also to carry out the call and the destiny in our life. So why don't some Christians live out and walk in their purpose and their divine destiny? Why is that? 
Well, I believe one of the reasons or some of the main reasons is because their circumstances, situations, and decisions that are made can delay and sometimes even destroy their destiny. Maybe that's what's going on in your life. Maybe your circumstance, your past, current situations, or decisions has delayed your destiny. Good thing is, is if you're still living, you're still here, your destiny is not destroyed yet. You're still listening to my voice. You can still live it out. Amen? So this morning, I want to kind of turn the corner to wrap up this series, and, and, and I want to talk, show you how to be devoted to your destiny. We've been talking about how to be devoted to God, how to be devoted to one another. Now, how to be devoted to your destiny. I want to kind of give an example uh, with a little story and how I'm going to use Saul's life. When I was a teenager, one day I was riding with my dad in, in his van, and he had this cargo van. He, had, he owned a, 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 a wholesale company. He was a salesman. And we were riding one day down the road, and there was a wreck. And like a lot of us do, they call it rubbernecking, right? You're looking, trying to see what's going on over there, and he wasn't paying attention, right? And he hit a curb, and he busted both tires on that side of his van. And of course, he was mad. He was upset. He was typically a good driver, right? And man, he was all upset. And, and through it all, I did, he said, Brandon, I did this to show you what not to do. I'm like, really, man? Come on, really? Did your parents ever tell you stuff like that? I was doing that to show you what not to do. Sadly, I didn't listen. I'm not proud of this, but years later, I was... Years later, I was under the influence. I did the exact same thing. I hit a curb and busted both sides of, of the tires of my car. He's like, didn't I show you what not to do? He wasn't joking that time. He was mad, right? He had to pay for two new tires of my car, right? But what I'm saying is that, listen, a lot of times, uh, most weeks, we're preached from the, from the scriptures on what you should do. But sometimes, you know, it's good to learn on what not to do. You know, the saying is, learn from your mistakes. Hey, you know what's better than learning from your mistakes is learning from other people's mistakes. Because when you learn from other people's mistakes, you don't have to go through it yourself. So that's what we're going to look at Saul's life. And I'm going to try to help you today in that, to learn uh, how not to delay, how to be, instead of delaying or destroying your destiny, how to be devoted to your destiny and walk in it and living out. See, Saul was the first king of Israel. He was chosen by God and the people, but he failed tremendously because he lacked confidence. We were singing confidence in the Lord and, and how he saw himself. He was also the source of his own problems, especially as he brought heartache and trouble to the lives of those close to him. So we're going to go and look at a few bad decisions and what fueled those decisions that destroyed Saul's destiny. So you remember Saul was anointed king. Now what I'm about to read is him being proclaimed as king by the prophet Samuel. Look at 1 Samuel 10, 20, 24, and through 24 it says, So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the, the Matrites which was chosen. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. They, so they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one is Israel is like him. Number one, the first thing I want to show you from this is stop hiding among your baggage. And I ain't talking about the luggage that you bring on a trip. I'm talking about the baggage of your life. Stop hiding among your baggage and using it as an excuse to not fulfill the purpose God has for your life. Amen? See, we all have baggage from our past or have had it at some point or another that we need to deal with. It could be from the past, hurts, rejections, abuse, maybe the way people spoke over us, or 
Maybe it's baggage that you're dealing with currently, like a current addiction or dysfunctions or strongholds that hold us back from our divine destiny. Look at what Saul says in the chapter before. Now, this verse I'm about to read is after Samuel had just told Saul that he and his families were the hope of all Israel. Look at 1 Samuel 9, 21. Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe. Look at that, only in the smallest tribe. And my family is the least important of all the families. Why are you talking to me like this? You notice these words? Only, smallest, and least. Saul's main baggage that fueled, I believe, all of this was insecurity. The way he viewed himself, the way he viewed his family, were the least, were the smallest. Why are you talking to me like he just finished telling them God has chose you, appointed you to be the leader of the nation of Israel, the first king in all Israel. And he basically said, I can't do that because I'm a nobody. And my family's not much. That's basically what he was saying, right? And it could also not only be the way you view yourself, it might feed into because of what people have said about you and how people have viewed you. Remember what they said about Saul. Can anyone become a prophet? No matter who his father is. So it wasn't even about him at first. It was about the, the clan and the tribe and who his dad was. Look at verse, uh, 1 Samuel 10, 27 again. But there were some scoundrels who complained, how can this man save us? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts. I love this though, but Saul ignored them. See, it can be baggage again from your past hurts. Maybe from just not even stuff you did, but just your family and your life. Or maybe it is things that you've done. And even though you might even be saved, born again, sitting in church today, and it could still be baggage you're carrying around that God never intended for you to carry. You need to allow the Lord to heal you and set you free from that. And this goes back to why it's so important to be in, in close fellowship and community with other people, in life groups. And if, if that's you, we're going we're gonna to leave some space in the, at the end of my message to pray for you. But we even got, look, we got life groups and even we got classes that go even deeper than most of our life groups to help you with that. And if you need that, we let us know we can help you with that. We got to allow the Lord to heal us from our hurts, insecurities, and stop listening to the devil and what people say about us. Some of this stuff is just the way we see ourselves. Other is the way, again, the enemy has been lying to you or people have been lying to you. Do what Saul did. The one good thing Saul did, or one of the good things he did, just ignore them. Stop listening to what people say about you and start listening to what the Lord says about you, right? Why do we continue to listen and feed the negativity of people and the enemy instead of what God says about us, right? I used that illustration a while back, and I, I kind of, you know, I set a trap for y'all, and most of y'all fell into it. I said that, how many of y'all believe with everything you hear or read on the news? Everybody's like, no. I was like, how many of you believe that everything that's in the Bible is true? And everybody's like, yes. And I said, well, why do we listen to the news more than we read our Bible? Right? It's the same thing here. Why do we listen to what people say about us more than what we listen to what the Lord says about us? Right? It's, it's, I mean, unless it's encouraging and truth. But if it's negative, you know, the enemy's going to constantly whisper those negativities, right? And again, I said it earlier, and maybe the first service I said it, because the enemy's not just trying to delay your destiny. He's trying to destroy your destiny. He wants to cancel. He wants to, he wants to, wants, wants to take it out, right? Look, a lot of you are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11. I want to go further than just verse 11, but this, a scripture like this, you read a scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11 through verse 14. I want to read in the Amplified. Look what it says. For I know the plans and thoughts I have to you, you says the Lord. Come on, this is straight from the Lord himself. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and hope. 
Then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear your voice and I will listen. Watch this. What kind of prayer is he talking about? Then with a deep longing, you will seek me and require me as a vital necessity. And you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and I will free you. Come on, somebody. He says, I got a future, right? This is a destiny. But you must seek me and not just a token prayer like just blessing your food every day. It's good to bless your food. Do that when you go to lunch. But that can't be your only prayer time every day. He said, seeking me with a deep longing as vital necessity. And when you do that, then I'll restore you, heal you, and set you free. Come on, somebody. As we were praying earlier, that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to set us free. We were never meant to carry this bondage, church. This, this baggage that we're carrying. Come on, the Lord is the burden lifter. Come on, he wants to carry it, right? Again, it could be current addictions or even constant conflict. For me, for years, a lot of you know my, my story. That's what it was for me. When I walked down this aisle and got radically saved, it was, it was addiction. I had been a drug addict and alcoholic for 10 years. My dad had just committed suicide five years before. So I was carrying that too, that heaviness, that weight, that grief, all of that stuff, right, that I, I brought in here. But the Lord is faithful, and he set me free, and he healed me. Amen? So instead of hiding among your baggage, come on, let the, the, the Lord heal you and set you free. That's part two of a vision. Know God, live free is the second part, so you can find your purpose and make a difference. Come on, stop hiding amongst your baggage. Use it as an excuse to fulfill your destiny. Allow the Lord to heal you, set you free, so he can use you. Amen? Come on, turn to your neighbor and look at him and say, he can use you. Come on, turn to the other, the other person on the side of you and say, he wants to use you. All right. Amen. Amen. Good class participation today. Amen. All right. Number two. So number one, stop hiding behind your baggage. Number two, don't move ahead of the Lord. Don't move ahead of the Lord. As we go into, we're going to jump into 1 Samuel 13. I want to set it up. Israel was about to go to war with the Philistines and they were greatly outnumbered. The troops were starting to get tremendously scared and in our vernacular, they were freaking out. They didn't know what to do. So watch 1 Samuel 13, 7 through 14. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. This is like they were physically trembling. They were so scared. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel didn't come. Samuel said, stay here and I'm going to come and I'm going to offer this burnt offering before y'all go off the battle. But in, in, in Saul's eyes, he, had never, he, didn't come, he wasn't coming. So Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul finished with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Man, that verse always pops out at me. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me. And you didn't eat, arrive. And you said you would, and the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Let me just stop and say, even though God didn't want him to have a king, and when he conceded and gave him one, he did say, like this shows you, Saul could have reigned and been the king for, for years to come. He said, I would have established your kingdom forever. So he had a chance to still live out this destiny God had him for him. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not 
not kept the Lord's command. He's referencing David here, and we're going to talk about him later on in the message. See, this was an opportunity for Saul to show he was truly devoted to the Lord and willing to obey his orders, but unfortunately he failed. Again, verse 10 always sticks out at me. Just as Saul was finishing the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Has that ever happened to you? We get impatient with the Lord, and then we take matters into our own hands, and it seems like right after we do something, the Lord shows up. Or you know that you get an answer that was from the Lord. And it was like, uh-oh. Now what? I, I just caught something. I thought it was interesting. And Samuel tries to blame, uh, Saul tries to blame Samuel. Did you notice that? He said, well, you didn't arrive like you said you would. Kind of like, so I had to. Come on, let's not try to turn it around whenever we mess up. Or when we move ahead of the Lord, right? Come on. The, the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. We need to be patient. And wait on the Lord, right? We were talking about waiting earlier in prayer. God in his grace can still bless us and use us when we move ahead and take things in our own hands. But there can be consequences. Think about Abraham and Sarah. God promised that they would have a son. They said, well, we're getting old. We can't even have children anymore. They took matters into their own hands, right? Sarah gave uh, her, her, maid to, uh, her, her maiden to, to, to uh, Abraham to have a baby. They have a baby. Ishmael was born. Right, obviously, the mother of Ishmael turns against Sarah. Sarah gets mad, says, Hey, send the slave woman and her child away. Think about it. I'm as a father, I think about this was still his son, and he had to send his son away into the wilderness. And they thought he was going to die, but it was of his own doing because he didn't wait on the Lord. And actually, we're still seeing the consequence. I mentioned Muslims earlier. You can trace uh, Islam all the way back to Ishmael when you do genealogies. Islam came from Ishmael, Judaism came from Abraham. And so we're still seeing the effects of that around the world today because they didn't wait upon the Lord. Now, they had this consequence, but then again, as they trusted in the Lord, they gave him Isaac, and we know, right, Abraham, Isaac, Jace, Jacob, and, and we're a blessing and a benefit from the, the, something that God did supernaturally. So we see God can still bless us and use us, but there will be consequences, right? I was talking to a young man just this week, and he feels like he's he's called to preach, he's called into ministry, and, and I found out... Uh, He's a part of our church. I found out that um, he got invited to go preach somewhere else. And so, man, I talked to him, and I was like, man, that's, that's great to hear that. And I'm like, I said, man, I knew that you felt a call, but I didn't know that you was, like, ready to preach right now. That you, you know, said, well, man, you know, he said, I didn't deliberately hold it back from me. He said, by the way, I didn't put myself out there. It's like just the way it came about. He talked to my dad and all this stuff and, and whatnot. He said, but, man, I didn't want to put myself out there. I didn't want to just come up to you and say, hey, Pastor Brandon, I, I want to preach. I felt like I'm called to preach. What he was saying was, and we, we talked about it, and I got his permission to use that, is he's like, man, I don't want to go ahead of the Lord, right? He's like, I, I want God's timing in this thing. And I think that's a safe place to be. Now, going back to community, I think that's why it's also important for you to be discipled and in life group because we don't want to move ahead of the Lord, but sometimes we just sit on our hands and we don't move at all. Sometimes we need people to kick us out of the nest. All right, brother, you waited on the Lord long enough. The Lord's saying to go, right? It's time to go, right? But that's what's important about being in fellowship and community. I remember for me, the, the youth pastor that was here before me, before I ever preached, that's what he did for me. He said, hey, man, I want you to preach. I want you to put a date on the calendar. I said, all right, man, I will, Kevin. Good, I'll do that. Weeks went by. Hey, you had a date yet? Oh, no, man, I've just been busy. I ain't had a chance to look at my calendar yet and all that. He's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to wait another week or two. Finally, he's like, hey, you got a date yet? No, I, I forgot. I think I forgot to put it on. He's like, hey, we're meeting tomorrow. We're both going to have our calendars. We're putting a date on there. What he was doing was like, all right, the time's up, bro. It's time for you to get. He pushed me. He gave me that nudge I needed 
and to preach the first time. And I'm thankful he did, right? So we don't want to move ahead of the Lord, but it's important to be in community so people can walk with you through that process. But look, when we start relying on ourselves instead of the Lord, it snowballs and we usually always make foolish decisions. Amen? So when that's what's important about staying in the Word, being led by the Holy Spirit, and having people around you that can walk with you through these tough uh, situations, progress, but also through our calling and our destiny. Amen? Number three, obey all the way. Huh, yeah, yeah, they, you heard that on Brother James. There wasn't too many. Obey all the way. You know, I was talking to the men, I was preaching to the men last week at the, uh, the men's retreat, and I talked to them about attributes of a godly man, and one of them was honesty. And I asked them, are you okay with telling a little white lie? If it's only 99% of the truth, it's still a lie. I'm going to just set you up with that. And then let's go to the scripture now. I'm going to read a lot of scripture here. 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 3. One day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as the king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's army has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. He's very clear, everyone, everything. Verse 7, let's go down to verse 7. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havela all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed Everyone else, Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep's goats, cattle, fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to him. Remember that, appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was deeply moved when he heard this, and he cried out to the Lord all night. By the way, that term means he was mourning. He was mourning for Saul because he knew it was about to happen. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument but for himself. Let me stop there. He set up a monument for himself. That's insecurity. Nobody else was honoring him and setting up a monument, so he wanted to set up a monument for himself. And I'll show you in a minute. I'm going to put an exclamation point on it. Then he went to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. Then what is the bleeding of sheep and goats that I, and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spread the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked? And Samuel told him, watch this, although you think little of yourself. This is what's fueling all of this. It goes back. He thought little of himself. Samuel called him out. Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. Now he's arguing with Samuel. I brought back King Agag and I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Remember that. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices, sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. You remember early, just a few minutes ago, I said, is 99% of the truth still a lie? It is. Is 99% of obedience still obedience? It's not. I think this, this makes it very clear. He might have did 95% of what the Lord told him to do, but he spared the king and he kept everything that looked appealing to him. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Have you ever done that? Have you ever obeyed halfway or maybe three quarters of the way? And here's the kicker and made it sound spiritual. Because that's what he did. He said, I kept the best of, of the sheep, but I did it to sacrifice to the Lord. I did. This was a spiritual thing I was doing. And what did he say? He still rebuked him. The Lord rather your obedience than your sacrifice. Even when we make it try to sound spiritual, if we're disobeying, it's still disobedience. I'm going to give you an example. I see people who do this with their money. I knew it was going to be quiet right there. You see people starting to squirm. They're grabbing their wallet. I ain't going to ask you for no money. But people do this with their money. You know how? Because people will refuse to tithe, which is a command from the Lord, to give you 10%, bring it to the storehouse. But instead, they say, well, I don't tithe, brother, but, you know, I'll give to missions. Like today, like, oh, yeah, I'll give to a good cause, like hurting people in Syria. I'll give it to poor people I see on the streets. I'll give it to orphans. You know why? Because, like, in that scripture, it's appealing to them. It's more appealing and looks better and makes them feel better to give to the poor. And they're still helping instead of being obedient to what the Lord says to tithe. And what does he say? I rather your obedience rather than sacrifice. Remember, the tithe is out of obedience. Alms and offerings is a sacrifice. You see that? And so if you are one of those people, I want to encourage you. Obey all the way. It's better for you to tithe than to give offerings and sacrifice. Anything above that, I will encourage you to do. But it's so true. Don't just do what's appealing. Do what the Bible says. Amen? And what does he say? Obedience is better than sacrifice. And did you ever wonder why the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft? Well, remember, so when you rebel, uh, you're rebelling against authority like, like that, right? That he got a word from the Lord, but it was through Samuel. Why is it like the sin of witchcraft? Because when you're practicing witchcraft, you're serving the devil. And what did the devil do? He rebelled against God's authority. And that's why he says rebellion on earth is like the sin of witchcraft. Because its origin comes from the devil rebelling against God's authority. So I don't know about you. I want to be obedient to God's word. I don't want to act like the devil, whether it comes with my destiny or my dollars. Come on, somebody. So we need to obey all the way, just like we need to tell the whole truth. Why do you think they say that in court? The whole truth? Nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? We need to obey all the way. Come on, parents. How many of you, when you asked your kids, you did all your chores? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You did all of them? I mean, I did most of them, right? And then you go check, it's like half of them, right? And But they tell you they did them because they did some of them, right? It's the same with us. Because not obeying can delay your destiny. And the fourth and final thing, we need to, need to desire being with God before doing for God. I always want to add this when I preach on serving the Lord, you know, destiny, purpose, and all this kind of stuff. We got to desire being with God. This goes back to Pastor Todd last week living in a whole new level, when we're devoted to God, this comes out, our, our doing comes out 
of, of, of being with the Lord. Look at Acts 13, 22. Even Luke was, was referring to the story we've been reading. He says, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about God, whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. You see that? David was obedient. Why? Because he was a man after God's heart. It started with his desire to be with God before doing for God. And, and also the obedience part, right? It's interesting that we don't hear anything about Saul's relationship. Isn't that crazy? We, we start, well, first when David comes on the scene, I read it uh, earlier in 1 Samuel. He said that God's removing you, Saul, and he found a man after your own heart. And even Luke here in Acts references it. We start out with David before we even know who he is and what we read about him. We start out that he loves the Lord, has a relationship. We read all about Saul. You don't hear anything about Saul's relationship with the Lord. King Saul, right? We do see in, 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 in 1 Samuel 10, 10, the Holy Spirit did come upon him, enabled him to have an experience with God through prophecy. And, and, and it was a personal experience, maybe for the first time, but we don't hear anything else after that. See, if Saul continued to nurture his walk with the Lord, his life would have been much different. But instead, because of his insecurity, his pride, and then eventually his desire for power, it derailed him. See, there's a big difference between Saul and David. David messed up too, right? We know he committed adultery. Then he had the man murdered, uh, the wife, uh, the husband of the, the, the woman he committed adultery with. But because he had a relationship with the Lord, he repented and he took his consequence. Saul, on the other hand, if you keep reading about Saul, he got angry and bitter. And when he knew David was the next man, he tried to kill him. And he just, he was tormented his whole life until he died in battle, right? That's the difference. And, and this always encourages me. Church, we read it in 1 Samuel. Before we even see who David is, he says, I found a man after my own heart. Do you think God knew David would fall and sin with adultery and murder when he said that? You think God knew that? Absolutely he did. He absolutely did. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But he knew that he would have David as a man after his own heart. Even though he sinned, David did repent. He sent the prophet uh, uh, to him to tell him, and he repented. We read it in Psalms. He writes about the time that he sinned and, and, and how he held his sin and it wasted, his body wasted away and all these things. But he repented. And that's why the Lord said, there's always going to be someone from the dynasty of David sitting on my throne, right? So it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, church. But when we have a desire to be with God and go after his heart before his hand or his destiny, even when we mess up, come on, the Lord can still use us. Amen? Noah's another great example of being with God before doing. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. I want to read just a few verses. Genesis 6, 9, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless man living on the earth at the time. I believe it shows us why. He walked in close fellowship with God. He was a righteous, blameless man because he was walking in close fellowship. Verse 22, drop down. So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded. Remember, David was obedient, but he had a heart for God. Noah walked in close fellowship with God and he was obedient. Saul was not obedient. He was disobedient. And we don't see any close relationship he had with the Lord. One more example. The Apostle Paul is another great example of this. In Acts 27, Paul was under custody in the Roman custody. He was being, he was on a ship and they were selling him to Rome to stand before Caesar. And he was with a bunch of other prisoners. A major storm comes up at sea. They're at, they're at sea for days in the storm. It says so, the storm was so bad they couldn't see the sun for days. All the guys, the Bible says, was losing hope. All hope was gone, it said. And then Paul addresses the people because Paul says, hey, I got a word from the Lord last night. And listen to what it says. This one line in here is so powerful. Acts 27, 22 and 25. 
But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel, watch this, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone selling with you. So take courage. Watch this. For I believe God, it will be just as he said. Let me go back to that line. He said, the God whom I belong and whom I serve. He identified with God that he belonged to God first. Before he said, I serve him, what, what I'm doing. He's arrested for preaching the gospel, right? And then what did he also, he said, I believe God. I believe what he says. And that's why he was obedient to give this word to all these men, bunch of pagan men, bunch of criminals, right? And, and, and it's because he identified he was with God first. We see Paul, when he got his radical conversion, he spent years with the Lord before he started doing for God, right? It starts with being devoted to fellowship with God first and knowing who you belong to. See, a desire to live out your destiny, church, should come from delighting in our relationship with the Lord. I believe when you delight in your relationship with the Lord, then we delight in our destiny. It's not duty anymore. It's not I I have to do this. It's I get to do this. Amen? So just to recap, stop hiding among your baggage. And again, we want to pray for you in a minute. Don't move ahead of the Lord. Obey all the way. Come on. Partial obedience is disobedience. By the way, to go back and I, just to say this, I believe your level of intimacy determines your level of obedience. And I, I showed you a few different ones, but, but just want to remind you of that. People, I believe, that struggle with disobedience, and we see it in Scripture, I think you can go back to their level of intimacy with the Lord, and I see it would be just as low as their level of obedience. When you walk in with the God of all creation, when you walk in with the Holy Spirit, in deep fellowship, close fellowship like Noah, you desire, it's not hard to obey. I mean, you may consider, you may do that, but you want to obey. Again, it's a delight. You don't have to. You get to. Amen? And in desire of being with God before doing with God, right? Maybe you don't even know what I mean. As I close, you don't know what I mean when I'm talking about being with God. What I mean is you have to start a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you could do that right now. I love this scripture in Romans 5.18. It says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life to everyone. Come on, somebody. Jesus died for everyone. He died for me and you. No matter what color you are, what background you're from, what nation, again, economic status, education, Jesus died for you. He loves you. And that one act of sin, sin came into the world. But Jesus' one act, what was that act? He died on the cross for me and you. Amen. Would you bow your head with me and just close your eyes? And if you just say, Brandon, you know what? I don't know if I, if I belong to God. Remember, I love that. I love that, that wording. Paul identified, I belong to the Lord. He, I'm, I'm his. I'm his son. Come on here. Are you his, do you know you're God's son? Or you know you're his daughter? If you're watching from LPCC, come on. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can still be God's son and daughter. He died on the cross for our sins, past, present, and future. If you say, Brandon, I don't know if I have a relationship with Christ, but I want to start that relationship today. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, man, that's me, Brandon. That's me. I need a, I need to start. Ma'am, I see your hand. Amen. Anybody else? Come on, even if you're watching LPC, say, I can't see your hand, but Jesus can. Come on, lift it up. Lift up your hand over here to my right. Hand's still going up. Thank you, Jesus.
Come on, let's come over here to my left. I see your hands, sir. Hands, ma'am. Praise God. I see your hands going up. Hands still up in the air in Jesus' name. Come on, lift both hands. Be bold, ma'am. Sir, be bold. Lift both of your hands up right now. Say, that's me. That's me. Come on, for the rest of us, we're going to pray as a family. The Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Can we all pray this together? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for loving me where I'm at. Lord, now I know I've sinned. And I repent of my sin. I surrender my life to you today. Help me, Holy Spirit, to live a life that glorifies God and reaches people all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we celebrate and rejoice with these this morning? Amen. Amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the chair right in front of you. It's called a connection card. Fill that card out. Bring it to the Info Center. We have a Bible for you if you need. If you're at LPCC, you made the decision, let Chaplain Alex know. Ask her for a Bible. She'll get you a Bible. We provide Bibles to the jail, and we'll, we'll bring as many as we need to uh, over there. So come on, would the rest of you stand up with me? Can I get the pastors and the altar workers up here right now? You know, that first point that I made, I know, resonates with a lot of people. It resonated with me for many years and none of us are perfect. We're still dealing with stuff every day. If you say, Brandon, I feel like I have some baggage in my life that's still holding me back and you want somebody to pray with you this morning, come on, why don't you come up here? I want you to come down to the altar right now. You know, right when I started talking about it, you said, man, that's me. That's me, Brandon. I got some, I got some baggage. I got some issues. I, I want to live out my divine destiny, man. But I got things from my past, whether it be hurts, or trauma, or, or whatever it is. Something somebody spoke over you. Come on, why don't you come down to the altar right now as people are coming. Come on down, praise God. We want to pray for you this morning. Come on, we want to pray for you. Why don't you come on down. We want to pray with you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, God's still coming up to the altar right now. Come on, for the rest of you, I want to pray. I want to pray for you right now. Come on, let's pray. Well, how many of you said, Brandon, I want to make a difference. I want to live out my divine destiny. Is that you? Come on. Do you want to, do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be used by the Lord? Why don't you lift your hands? Come on, let's ask him to help us right now. Lord, I pray you help us. Thank you for these that are at the altar. Lord, help them. Set them free. Heal them, Lord God, from the baggage of their past that that's been hindering them and hanging them up. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord God, not to go ahead of you, but to be patient. Listen to your still, small voice. Obey your word, Lord God. That, Lord, help us to get connected to fellowship so people can help us. Lord, in this process of not going in the head, but not staying still as well, Lord God. And I pray, help us to obey all the way, Lord God, when you tell us to do something through your word, by your spirit, that we would be totally obedient. Help us to delight in being with you, uh, Lord God, that that would be the motivation to do for you. I pray you help these as they go. Bless them, empower them, and strengthen them today, Lord, in a great and mighty way. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, God bless you. Come on. If you need prayer, come on down here. We want to pray for you. If not, God bless you. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you soon.